Welcome to Embracing Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Avis Sparks. Thank you for joining us. I pray that something shared blesses you and encourages you in your walk with Christ. Join me as I speak with this week's guest. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Well, we've been um, in our overcoming overcomer series for a while now, and usually when we overcome something, it ignites a passion within us. And I just want to know, what is your passion? Well, first of all, I would say my passion is uh, just connecting with people um, when it comes to this story that we're sharing today. And I think we really come alive when God can use what we've been through to maybe encourage others. Um, When I saw the question, what is your passion in life? My first answer was actually the fact that I'm a singer and musician. And I've, I've done that since I was a little girl. Like that is my first kind of calling on my life because then the Lord has allowed me to um, grow up in the arts in the Dallas area and then use that in ministry mm-hmm. and in worship my whole life. Uh, but it's interesting how as I've gotten older and had more experiences, how the Lord has brought other creative ways in the area of ministry where he's wanted me to pursue and use to encourage and connect with people. So you're saying music is like your passion. So how has that helped you in your storms in life? How does that help you through crisis? Well, you know, worship, um, when you are leading worship, you are ushering people into the presence of God, or that should be the goal, right? Where it's not about you. And sometimes when you're leading people in whatever capacity, You have to walk through things in order to really understand Mm -hmm. how to usher others into it as well. And I think that that can translate to any area of our lives. When we go through something, then we can actually have a better understanding of what that feels like and how the Lord can move in our life. And then we can turn, you know, hopefully lead and encourage others. Um, So in your devotional uh, a perfect storm. What actually inspired you to write it? Well, I was actually in the hospital with my daughter. She was two years old at the time. She had just suffered a major crisis. She had suffered a stroke with no pre-existing conditions. We were a thousand miles away in uh, Park City, Utah. We live and reside in Waco, Texas. So we were on a family vacation and, you know, out of nowhere, she suffered a stroke. And so we went through weeks of being in the pediatric intensive care unit. We then were in a inpatient rehabilitation center with her for a month in the Dallas area so that she could get therapies and learn how to walk and talk and use the right side of her body again. And when we were in the hospital with her, I stayed with her and I started a carrying bridge blog. And this is about seven years ago. So Um, at that time, a caring bridge blog helped along with social media, keep people updated on her progress and how they were praying for us. And, and I began to feel a sense of responsibility because there were so many people praying for her. And I began to see how God was working in the situation. And I began to feel a responsibility to share that in the updates. Okay. And it was from that, that came an opportunity where I began to feel like I was supposed to start writing these things down. Mm -hmm. And it's been an evolution over the past seven years. 
of writing it down into a devotional format. And so it really began kind of as I was walking through the crisis, I began to sense that the Lord was wanting me to write it down because it was a story that was to be shared. And that's not always the case in every situation. You know, I had experiences where I have gone through something and the Lord has ministered to me. And I knew I never had or felt compelled to share with the public or people out there. But sometimes there are situations that are just meant to be private. And there are times where we feel like God is present in our lives and it's meant to just be between us and God, but Mm -hmm. this was totally different. And I just felt compelled that this was a story that was meant to be shared to encourage other people. When you share your story um, about um, your child and and stroke, what are some of the things that, um, that you feel like need to be said? You know, like when people are listening, these are things I really want to get across when we're talking about this children stroke and and stroke. Well, you know, I literally have 28 days of devotions written down in this new devotional and every single devotional talks about something. And so I'll pinpoint one of those. I think uh, one of those things is I was acutely aware of what other people around me were going through at the time, especially when we were in the pediatric intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. And I immediately began to have a deeper sense of what it felt like to walk through your child in a crisis. Mm -hmm. If you've never been there, you don't know what that feels like uh, for these parents um, in the halls of the hospitals who are in neurology and oncology. We were walking past patients um, with terminal cancer, with brain tumors. And we were also in a life threatening situation, but in those moments, the Lord gave me perspective mm-hmm. to help me remember number one, there's someone that is always dealing with something harder than we are dealing with, which gave me perspective. And I talk about that in devotion number five, but for parents, just to empathize and be able to reach out to someone when sharing this. Uh, Every time I get a chance to share it, it never fails, regardless if it's a similar situation or a different situation. If someone has a child that's had a very difficult time in one way or another, people will always come up to me and say, you know, I really, I really appreciate that. I can identify with your story and I can identify with the way God is moving in your life because I see how he's working in mine. And I think a lot of it is just being able to relate to other people on a level where if you've never been there, it, it's hard to do. So you're saying like, while you're going through this, you're looking and observing those, you know, the situations and the hardships of the people around you that with dealing with children with, with Ill, illnesses, how important was it for you to, well, how did it help you to overcome by actually viewing these things? Or did you take part and encourage as you were there or was it more of an observational role um, in taking in? It was immediately both. Um, And again, I talk about this in uh, devotion number five, it's called perspective is grounding. And I start off by talking about the sights and the sounds that I was immediately aware of in the, in the PICU, the pediatric intensive care unit on one side of the curtain, there was a newborn suffering from RSV and the noises this baby made 
will always be embedded in my brain. And it took all of the discipline I had not to power through the curtain and want to like tend to this, this infant, you know, who is laying on its side. And so that was an observation. I also observed across the hallway from us, there was a 12 year old boy who was in some sort of procedure. And for the rest of the time and days that Adelie, my daughter was in the, the PICU, this child never woke up. And my child was awake and at least cognizant of, of the fact that even though she was two, she was aware of her surroundings. And it immediately gave me perspective and my heart just ached for his parents who slept and paced and waited at his bedside. They were waking and hoping that he would wake up. And I immediately felt the responsibility to act mm-hmm. in prayer. And so when I had a moment to pause, I would look across the hallway and just pray for those parents. I don't know what ever happened with this 12 year old boy. I don't know what his outcome was, but to this day, when I think of them, I pray for them. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can take uh, what we see for granted um, in the sense of, okay, I can't do anything physically for them, but like, as you said, I can see and I can pray. I can talk to God about what I'm seeing. If I can't do anything else to, to help a person out, I know God can do something. And it's just like taking that. I see it. So let me at least do that. If I can't do anything else, I can at least pray for this person. And so that's beautiful. And I think sometimes I have to remind myself more often. It's like, I see it and let me do something with what I see. Not just say, okay, I can't do anything. At least I can bring it to God. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, we don't know the um, outcome of that 12 year old, but when it comes to your daughter, you know, you had to overcome something with her, but in her process of overcoming, how was that for her? And how did you help support her in that transition of therapy and, and all? Well, like I said, it was a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time for someone in her situation, uh, she recovered very quickly So what does that look like from a time standpoint? She was, like I said, in the hospital for two weeks and then was in an inpatient rehabilitation center in Dallas, which is an inpatient rehabilitation hospital for for children. Mm -hmm. And she was there for a month. Now, initially we were told that she could be there from eight to 12 weeks, which was really, really um, alarming to me because at the time I also had a five-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. And so, um, that seemed like a very long time. So what we learned and as this process went through, she recovered very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I believe there was a a miracle that took place in kind of what I call God giving her a kind of a jump start into recovery, Mm -hmm. uh, which is also one of the chapters of healing. And what does that look like? You know, um, and from there she recovered, like I said, very quickly, and, um, she started running overnight. Okay. She was very unexpected. When we walked into the rehabilitation center, I was hoping that by the end of eight to 12 weeks, I'd have her stable, at least on a walker. Uh, oh. but we rolled her in on a wheelchair and she left four weeks later running. Um, but after that, after we got home, there were almost three years of outpatient therapy for her, for her hand and her leg and her speech which recovered her speech recovered quickly as well. Um, she was two, but she was chatty to begin with. And so fortunately that came back. Um, but to this day, we still deal with things. Uh, fortunately when we got home after six weeks in the hospital, she was able to 
live what I call quote unquote, a normal day, even Mm -hmm. though she had therapy three times a week and, and so on. But to this day, we still deal with it. She's got additional learning needs. She's a smart kiddo, but there are things that she has to deal with that other kids don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I will tell you now that she's 10, she's in the fourth grade. She has developed a hard work ethic and she is an overcomer. Mm-hmm. And it has been incredible to watch how, as I supported her, taking her to therapy, um, our whole life in answer to your question had to be revolved, um, revolved around her rehab schedule. Mm-hmm. And so we just dedicated ourselves to that and we made it work. And so it's been really cool to watch how she's evolved into a girl and now a tween mm-hmm. that she's taken those characteristics. And I can see how God is developing her in that already. And if you feel like sharing, cause it's like, is it, you know, even though it happened to your daughter, it's such a family dynamic, you know, as you said, you had other children and you and your husband having to deal with it. Um, so how, how, how has it impacted the other children? How have they seen, you know, her overcoming and her dealing with her, the struggles that she's had to, to deal with? How has that, if you don't mind sharing, how has that impacted your other children? I think it gives them a greater depth of empathy and understanding for other people. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it gave them the opportunity as young children, the first time they saw her in a wheelchair in the hospital, it was incredible to watch how they loved on her, how they pushed her down the hallway and showed her all the pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. And that's another chapter in my devotion of just how God loves us and how he uses those around us to show his love. Mm-hmm. But it gives them a greater understanding to be empathetic towards children in wheelchairs or children with special needs because they know the dedication and the understanding and the effort that goes behind that. And it's really been great in developing their character and having an understanding for other people. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's you're, you're depicting it's when people are overcoming, it's not just the, um, an isolated event, you know, they're not just the ones going through It's those who are around them. And it can be a, a positive thing, a growing thing um, in the process. And I just, you, you, and you titled your devotionals, a perfect storm. And I just want to know what was your definition of a perfect storm? A perfect storm. Well, this is what the doctors told me in the hospital, Okay. Uh, because a perfect storm is a bunch of different components coming together at just the right time in just the right place that create whatever storm we're facing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is especially relevant in the past year and a half. We all can kind of feel what that's like kind of on the same level, even though life's storms are different for us all. Sometimes they're still similar, but this past year and a half, we've all experienced kind of this rare unprecedented perfect storm of these weird components all coming together at just the right time to create this chaotic storm that leaves a destruction in its wake. Mm -hmm. And that is what I would describe as a perfect storm. And when we were in the hospital with her, she had no pre-existing conditions Mm -hmm. and they never found a true meaning for her stroke, which they tell you is a good thing. But the doctor said, because you don't want it to be a major organ. You don't want it to be a blood disease. Um, Yet it leaves you kind of wondering how and why did this happen? And Mm -hmm. the doctors explained, it's just 
maybe there were several different things that came together at just the right time to cause us to have to face this crisis that we never thought would happen. Yeah. Um, what was your greatest struggle? Like, as you were going through, what do you think was your greatest struggle going through that particular storm? Or you can, if you feel like sharing something else, some of your other storms in life, like what is, has been one of your greatest struggles? You know, I think the greatest struggle was understanding how stress can affect us. Um, you know, as parents, we really, uh, will do anything and everything when it comes to our children. If we're in a stressful situation, we Mm -hmm. literally kind of just power through, it's kind of like this act of resolve and we forward through to do whatever, whenever, wherever we can to get the answers, to go through the process, to take care of our child. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was also trying to, um, be a partner and teammate to my husband, who is at home taking care of our other two children. Mm -hmm. So balancing that was hard, but I think too, once I got home, I really had to understand how I internalized that stress. And so I had to really make sure that I was taking care of myself physically and mentally as well, so that I could be there uh, for my family and my Mm -hmm. children and to, to try to stay on top of that. I think it was easy for me to recognize it, but then when we start that process, it takes us a while to realize that it's had a toll mm-hmm. and we have to kind of process of how we walk through that and how those things affect us physically. And three years after we were still going through rehab and doctor's appointments. And I actually started having a series of panic attacks, which I had never dealt with before. And I just had to realize that sometimes we carry stress and it, it takes us a while for sometimes, uh, takes us a while sometimes for that to show. And we have to kind of figure that out as we go along. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you, you're, you're identifying one of your, um, struggles is actually, actually acknowledging the, the toll that the stress put placed on you. And I was going to ask you, once you kind of got to that place of acknowledgement, I was going to ask you, what was, did you get met with something else? And he was like, yes, I got met with other symptoms of, of that stress. And, um, I think sometimes, like you said, we don't really realize what we're internalizing. I'm, I'm actually taking this course and they, and it's called like life, life changes. And it, it was just, it gave you a list of things and I'm thinking, okay, there's no big crisis going on in my life. And so I should do pretty good on this little assessment. And so just by the, the things that I did tell you, I was like, really high, you know, it's like, and I, it wasn't even anything just major that happened in my life. And there was like, you have an 80% chance of a health, um, of a health, uh, crisis, you know, because of the score, but even in my life, I didn't have anything just monumental that happened. And so it was just, it gave me perspective about not taking for granted the things that are happening in my life, you know, the, the stress that they do bring. And, and so it's like, even like you said, after you pass that, you know, that, that um, I said that emergency state is like, even though you passed it, it was still things that you were dealing with, you know, that stress was still there. All the different other components were still there. That dire part wasn't there anymore, but it's like, if something was still playing, um, impacting you, you know, emotionally and physically. And, and I think sometimes as we're going through, we forget about since it's, we, we've gotten over the, the emergency part of it, 
the right. stress that continues to play, you know, weigh on us. And so, as you said, it's important to acknowledge it and say, what can I do to make it better for myself? Because it's like the situation doesn't necessarily change, but what can I do to handle this a little bit better? And so for you, what did you begin to implement to handle, you know, and do self-care during this situation? That's a great question, because at the time I had three small children Mm -hmm. and I had a business. I had an at-home office where I I was able to work from home. So when I got home after being in the hospital with my daughter, I had to pick up responsibilities with business, implement uh, three days of rehabilitation on top of all of the extra doctor's appointments, driving back and forth to Dallas, which is two hours from our home. And the first thing that I had to do was make sure the stress was leaving my body. And Mm -hmm. so I began to working out has been always been important to me. So I began to get up at five every morning to get my workout in before everybody woke up. So Mm -hmm. that sounds really intense. The only reason I was able to do that was because my youngest was two and at least she was sleeping through the night Mm -hmm. for that stage, you know, with babies, there's no way I would have been able to get that done because at least I had to get to a place where I was, we were all getting rest. Mm-hmm. If I didn't get up and get that workout in, um, I felt it throughout mm-hmm. my week. And it was just a, a way of getting stress out, working that stress out of my body, knowing that I was taking care of myself. I was taking care of myself as I was going through the process in a prayerful way. But, you know, we have our whole wellness is spiritual, mental, physical, you know, God, God needs us to take care of all of that. Right. And so that was a way that I did it was those early morning workouts. Yeah. I was talking to a health coach and I never thought, I mean, I know for me, honestly, that's how I deal with stress. It's like, if I have not worked out in a while, my body feels it. Cause it's like, it's just, it's compounding and she spoke it. And I was like, it does make sense. I never thought about it, but I, I know I use exercise as a stress reliever, but it's like that as your, as your voicing, it's like, it, it kind of works it out of your system. That's just, you know, you like expelling all this other stuff. And it, it, it has a physical attribute, you know, that exercising, you know, the endorphins and stuff that come along with it. But it was just that sometimes we don't, see the importance of just that movement, you know, not moving just to work, but movement just to exercise and, and stretch our bodies and work some of those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, um, this, this period of your life, and like you said, some of the things you're still, as your voice dealing with, um, what have you continued to carry with you? Like what lessons or, I mean, honestly, maybe even some things you may have to still get over, but what have you um, continued to carry with you after this storm? every lesson that I have in this devotional, (laughs) literally. Um, But the main point is that sometimes if, if we believe in God and and we believe that God never leaves us, it might be something that we've read, that we've heard that we think we know, but Mm -hmm. once you've experienced it, you experience how the Holy spirit reaches you in a way in your, some of your hardest moments and your most vulnerable moments And you experience in a way way that you've never experienced it before. You walk forward in a deeper understanding of that. And in a good way, you never go back to the depth that you were before because now you're walking deeper. Mm -hmm. And you can use that application of faith for the next stage in life to remember, you know what, we're going through this 
other situation, you know, I know God is here. Maybe I don't feel him the way I felt him, you know, seven years ago, Mm -hmm. but now I know that faith has been, uh, just, it's a stronger, it's a stronger understanding. So the first one is, you know, just understanding what it truly means to know that God never leaves us Mm -hmm. and really understanding how the Holy spirit can reach us in those dark moments and how the scripture, he allows the scripture to come to life in our circumstances, to breathe life. And also just the fact that life is full of difficulty and overcoming difficulty doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It's about letting the Lord walk us through that difficulty and he's already overcome it. Yeah. Scripture says he has already had the victory in Christ Jesus. So we are walking in that and it gives us that eternal hope. Mm-hmm. And so there are days, in fact, I said this to my kids in the car on the way to school this week, Lord, thank you for the eternal hope mm-hmm. that no matter what happens today, there is hope for tomorrow. And mm-hmm. those are just the, the two lessons that I think of off the top of my head that I, I literally carry with me every day. And, and they're beautiful. And and I think a, a lot of people can just come right alongside you and, and just and remember just how important those lessons are to know that God is always there and that hope it, that we have to keep that hope. You know, we have to expect God to do something, to move on our behalf, to keep his promises. And so as you as you were overcoming and you have gotten to this place, what have you had to discard? What do you say? OK, these are things that I just I can't continue to carry with me. Well, I think that you have to remember that we don't always have answers. Mm-hmm. Like I said, her diagnosis was an ischemic stroke and we didn't know why it happened. Mm-hmm. So we can't always know why, mm-hmm. because those things are unfortunately a part of life and we're not always going to have the answers. And we were standing in the hospital one day and I was already getting feedback from someone who had read the caring bridge blog and who had messaged my husband and I to say, you know what, these prayers, we've been praying for your daughter and our faith is being strengthened because of our prayers for your daughter and watching her progress. And Mark looked at me and he said, you know, we don't always know why things happen, but sometimes it's not about us. Yeah. Not that God wants those things to happen to us. He doesn't want bad things to happen to us, Mm -hmm. but he will allow what happens in this life to be used as a faith builder to others and to ultimately point people to him. He will still use the sin and the heartache and the trouble to give him glory. And that Mm -hmm. is how we overcome. Yeah. Because sometimes the physical nature, we may not overcome it physically, mm-hmm. but we have already overcome it in eternity. Yeah. And we have to discard the fact that we may not always understand the why, yeah. or we may not have the answer today, but it could be a, a part of a bigger picture. And someday we may not see what that means until we get into eternity. Yeah. yeah and that's a hard one sometimes, right? Just that yeah. not knowing, but 
I think, like you said, having that faith that God um, has good intentions for everything. He has a purpose, not just good intentions. He has an actual purpose um, that he's going to make sure that something good comes out of it. And so knowing that even if we don't know that purpose or that intention or that it's like just knowing that we have a he's a good God, you know, kind of helps us carry uh, carry on. Um, in your devotional, what would you say that you really want people to just take from it? You know, like carry this with, after they finish it 28 days, you want them to make sure they're just carrying it along with them for the next 28 days. Yeah. That's a, a great point because my friend Shelly Reeves is a featured guest as she shares in two devotionals um, about her story of crisis that happened about the same time as ours. And she actually lost a child and she shares how God ministered her to her during that time. And what is incredible about the testimony. And I did not, we did not see this, um, kind of until after the fact, or Mm -hmm. I did not see it until after the fact. And we, we were going through this together. But when we got back from the hospital, she told me that one of the blogs that I had written and the devotional is in this devotional, the lesson is she had told me that that changed her perspective and God helped and encouraged her to deal with the loss of her child. So Adelie's situation, God used Adelie's situation to encourage Shelly when she knew she was going to lose a child. And it comes back to the scripture in Matthew where, where God says that he can take what we have gone through mm-hmm. and we can receive his comfort and then in turn, give others the comfort that we have received. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we're walking through a crisis and once we've dealt with it, once we've processed it, once we understand that God is with us, we can then take the focus off of ourselves and realize that it might be meant for a bigger and larger purpose that we can then turn outward Mm -hmm. and be available for God to use it to minister to someone else. Mm -hmm. So it takes the focus off of our heartache and allows it to flourish in a way to give God glory and to help others and build his kingdom. Oh, this is, is this so beautiful. Um, if our listeners would like to get a hold of you or find out more about you, your book, um, what, what is, how can they do that? If, would it be social media, email, websites? They can go to my blog, which is sarahnelsonblog.com. From there, they can email me. Uh, they can get on my social media, which is uh, Sarah Nelson blog on Instagram. I have a Facebook account, all the, you know, all the social media things. And they can also go and purchase the book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the blog is the best way to get a hold of me and to get in touch with me on social media. Okay. Would you do one more thing for us? Would you pray for those who are listening who may be going through crisis or coming out of one? Um... Absolutely. Father God, we just thank you that you are always with us. We thank you that you promise us in your word that you will never leave us nor forsake us and that your promises stand firm now and forever. So Lord, I pray that whoever is going through a difficult time, whoever is listening and needing encouragement, would understand that you are there for them, that you were their solid rock and their foundation. 
Father, I pray that they would feel your presence in their situation, that you would minister to them in a way that they would experience you for the like never before. Lord, I pray that whatever they're going through, you would reveal yourself in a way that would give them an, a better understanding of who you are and your character. May they see an outcome come to fruition, Father, through healing, through prayer, through hope, through your perspective. Father, may they grow closer to you. I pray that your covering would be e over each listener. I pray that their hearts would be ready to receive your word and apply it to their lives in the way that you would have them do that today and tomorrow. Father, we just ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. We thank you all for tuning in and listening to this episode. We pray that you're blessed. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for that testimony and those words of encouragement. And until next time, um, you all be blessed. Thank you so much, Avis, for having me. We pray that this episode of Embracing Abundant Life has blessed you. Tune in next week as we continue the Overcomer series. We are more than just conquerors. Because of Christ's love for us, we are children of God and allowed to live an abundant life. If you are enjoying the content, be sure to subscribe and share. For more inspirational content, visit asparkministries.com and sign up for the devotional and newsletters.